You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about different models of supervision. This was a request that we got from some of our listeners, so shout out to all of our listeners in West Sussex. Thanks for listening. This week, we read Models of Clinical Supervision Found in Eric Digest. If you're interested to find out more information, we always put our reference in our session notes, which can be found wherever you're listening to podcasts, but especially this week, there might be something you want to look up again after listening. The three models that were discussed in this article are first developmental, integrated, and orientation specific. So Heather, developmental models of supervision, what do we know about them? Well, we're looking at three different levels that you really identify with. Beginner therapist, beginner starting out, intermediate, and I'm going to forget what the next one was. Well, I think that's true in the integrative developmental model, but I think that they might call it different things. Okay, different might models. be a different model. But you're right. I don't remember the the name of the last. It's got to be beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Would make sense. That's, that's what it does. Yeah. Found it. So the d- developmental models have different levels, and then different levels have different goals. Right. So let's think about some of the supervisees that we've had. Have you noticed that, that? At different phases or different point yeah. in supervision, there's a different goal or a different right. feel for right. supervision. Absolutely. And just starting with like what someone would identify as like beginner, straight out of school, green, green, green. Mm-hmm. Some of their ideas or goals are just getting through like, I am now a therapist and I'm supposed to write a note about this session that I think I just conducted. How do I even write a note? Mm-hmm. Or how do I prepare for a session with a parent. When I'm supervising somebody at the obvious different levels, I have to help myself get ready. Do right. you do that? Yes, I have to because I get like, okay, where are they and what do they actually need in this uh-huh. moment? Like, what, where are they right now? Right. Like, if you're going to meet with someone who right out of school, do you have to kind of get yourself ready and go, okay, I can't expect that they know these things. Right. I can't they expect that they feel comfortable. Right. I mean, I've had some newer supervisees lately where they don't even know like the different formats we can use for notes. Oh, the different so like They don't know. if They only sure. learn what they learned in school. Like right. They have any other They experience. know the one model because right. that's what they've done before. I had a supervisee a while back who just coincidentally had never written a note. Oh. Their practicum internship site, same place. And at that, that agency, they didn't write notes. Oh. So she got all the way through school and had not ever written a note. That would but, be scary. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying, that based on your experience or what you've been presented, that's what you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that would need also more guidance, right? If you've never written a note before, there's going to be probably a way that you would prefer your supervisees to write a note. might look different than how I prefer mine write mm-hmm. a note, mm-hmm. but also maybe where they're doing their hours. If they're not in private practice and they're at a location, sure. there might be requirements there that they need to do it a certain mm-hmm. way. Oh, so you're saying that you're thinking about a very beginner counselor and that they're going to be getting information and experiences from more than just you. Right. And so you're going to be thinking about that and trying to help them piece all of that together. Right. Like, what does this note need to look at, like, Mm -hmm. for your 
job mm-hmm. might look different than how you would do it later. I think I can easily identify beginner counselors or advanced counselors, like almost ready to say goodbye to, to right. the supervisor. How do you notice or identify an intermediate counselor? I think usually when you see that shift, when there's not so many questions about like, how do I do therapy or how do I do this? And the shift happens to maybe they start to understand a little bit more about their role in the room with the client or they're like, I was thinking this because of this past situation with a different mm-hmm. client. Like they're starting to like weave things together, but they still need guidance on mm-hmm. like the the step by so what what's next. Yeah. But they're not asking specifically like, I have a 12 year old boy coming in. What do I do now? Right. I think it's the integrative developmental model. We also read about the Ronstadt and Skolvholtz model. But I do think, if I remember correctly, quite a few of these models describe that intermediate phase as the supervisee or counselor starting to actually get a little ornery. Right. Like they might rebel. <laughs> they, right. They do it their way. Right. They might argue with you. Right. They might not tell you about something because they want to do it their way. Mm-hmm. Have you had that happen? I've had, I've had a little bit of like pushback when I've said, well, make sure you follow up. The, oh, I don't need to do that. It's not required at my site. Not right. required at my site. Yes. Okay. Um, well, that's yeah. okay that it's not required at your site. Yeah. Still, there's still a reason for it. I think I get concerned or nervous when I have a beginner counselor who starts doing Okay. That. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You don't know enough yet to right. argue that. Right. Case right. You don't well. get that. Yeah. So then how do you identify an advanced counselor? I think when they're pretty much on their own, as far as like your sessions might look different weekly when you're doing your supervision, it may not be like case report on every single client. It might be more like self-reflection or like, hey, I'm dealing with this. And when I see clients that have and just like overarching, they're not looking for specific diving in as much like it's more like, oh, have you seen that? Like you're talking more general. You're That's not, what I was going to say. They're yeah. they're generalizing. You're not have to do it. You're not having to do the generalizing for them. Right. So they don't need to know this one session, this one client, what do I do here? But they're able to say, this is what a client like this might need and this is how I can apply it. I think not only do these supervisees, have they gotten the hang for the way that you want to do supervision, but they've kind of found their own groove. Right. And so they come in, I think, not that they, not that all supervisees don't come in ready to work. But they come in ready to work and they know what they need to work on already. Right. They're kind of identifying those things as you're doing supervision. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this or, or with these clients, sometimes they're doing some self-reflection where like sometimes I get overwhelmed. They're, they're already there. They're willing to admit what. Right. So maybe they come in and say things instead of what do I do at this session? And this, right. they say, I think I want to talk about parent consultation. Right. I think I could get better at that. Right. And like very a big topic. Right. Okay. More broad. Mm -hmm. So that's the developmental models. There's many of them, but they generally, they all focus on growth and development through levels and that through the levels, the goals of supervision might change. Right. Okay. Another topic or another point in our article that we read this week was integrated models of supervision. And what do we know about integrated models of supervision? You're not necessarily meshing your exact theory could be a little different. You could have like Maybe with that supervision, they're looking for something specifically for a client that has some ADHD behaviors and that may not, cognitive behavior may not be your thing, mm-hmm. but you're integrating some ideas of different, okay, poly, more eclectic. Yeah. So it doesn't, you don't, you don't have to have a specific theory. Your count, your supervisee doesn't have to have a specific theory. You don't have to perfectly match. Right. 
And instead, the focus is more on the role of the supervisor and what they provide. Right. What they have. Mm-hmm. And that the, what they're providing, the, hopefully, is meeting the needs of the supervisor. Right. And I think that also can get rubbing down into levels. But sometimes along the way, I may have a fairly experienced supervisee that still needs me to teach something because they're just not comfortable yet. That, or maybe it's something new. Right. Something they've never done before. Right. They've never been in that spot mm-hmm. before or had a client like that before. Yeah. So I think that can shift to not just saying that only newbies need you to be a teacher, but like along the way, if you've never had. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So maybe one of the roles of a supervisee is a teacher. Mm -hmm. What else might a supervisee, what role might they play? Mentor. Right. Teacher, mentor. Sometimes I think even I'm going to use the word manager, but I don't necessarily mean it as you're their manager over them. I mean, with things like staying on top of administrative tech Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. writing, things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think not completely crossing this line, but they might dance close to the line of being a, a counselor sometimes. Right, sometimes. When have you seen that happen? Where do you see yourself switching between the roles that you play as a supervisor based on the needs of your supervisee? I think that as you see the shift happens, I think as a supervisor, it's important for us to go, okay, this is what they need. Like they may not know what they need. Mm-hmm. Like they may not realize it, but I had a supervisee a couple of years ago that was working in one location with a lot of teenage clients. And so a lot of the interventions that they used were appropriate for adolescents. Mm-hmm. Then they started working with adults in like an IOP program. N- those same skills, not the same. Not, not completely applicable. Right. And so it was like more of being like that, like, but you had to have that shift of like, oh, well, these things now are skills you need to learn. You have those skills. You just haven't used them in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know how to talk to adults and do these things, yeah. but. Now your your role shifting, you're working in an IOP, that itself is different. Mm-hmm. I think I maybe these are dramatic examples where I've seen myself shift to a different role. But maybe in supervision, we're talking about something, thinking through clients or mm-hmm. thinking about how to conceptualize something. And something for the supervisee comes up. Mm-hmm. And I think, whoa. Like personal, like stop, we got to well, address this. The one I'm thinking of right now, I really enjoyed her as a supervisee. She was working for an agency, and I could tell that when we started, she looked not like herself. She wasn't, okay. I mean, she just looked, I don't know, frazzled, distracted. And so we started talking about clients, and we were definitely right in the thick of thinking through family therapy and dealing with high-conflict parents and all. Right. And I stopped and went, okay, there is, right. there's more here. I don't understand. Something else is part of this. And she described a lot of stress that she was having and a lot of being pulled in different directions because of her job. Oh, okay. And I went, oh, yeah, right. let's stop. That's important, too. That's right. Yeah, you stop would, and address that. Right. That, you know, not we can include that in supervision. We don't right. have to say, well, that's not about a session. And so we're not going to talk right. about it. It is about mm-hmm. it is supervision. And so her question was she was a pretty new counselor and she wanted to know. How many hours of counseling per week is it reasonable to expect that I can do? Right. And I gave her a ballpark number and she went, oh, and she was already doing like 10, 12 more hours of counseling right. per week. Well, no wonder I'm tired. Right. Like, yeah, yes, exactly. I, I, went, I went, well, how many are you doing? And she told me and I went, yeah, oh. That's too many. Yeah, That's why. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And so we also talked through how to manage a work situation. Right how to talk to somebody, what to ask for. Mm-hmm. She just didn't have a f- frame of reference to know what was reasonable right. yet. Right. 
I've had a supervisee before not know that it's okay to say no, especially working in an agency. Like you're getting more and more clients and you just think that you have to take every single thing that even across the door. And I was like, well, you know, well, I told them that I would work, you know, 20 hours and I'm really feeling maxed out at 15. Well, that's okay. Like you can say, nope, like 15 is my comfortable level. Like that's where I'm at. But I think often, depending on where you're at in your development as a counselor, that could feel very different. Like that could feel very sure. like. I think know. it is tricky because I'm thinking about people that I've managed and not supervised, that what was comfortable for them was not reasonable right. or reasonable right. for the agency. Yeah, you need it. So for, right, yeah. if you're a full-time counselor and you're telling me you can see five clients per week. Well, that's not helpful. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not reasonable right. for us. That's not something right. that we can. So it is, it's a complicated thing to know how to handle, mm -hmm. how to speak up for yourself, how to know what's reasonable, how to ask for right. what you need. So in those those cases, I felt like I'm I, I moved from talking about client conceptualization right to something in between a mentor or a counselor. Right. Careful not to cross the line of being a counselor because we didn't start talking about her own therapy. Right, but yeah, I, I think so. There are times where it, you know in the integrated model we don't have to always be specific to one theory, but we play different roles to help meet the yeah. many needs of our supervisor. Right, and I will tell you that sometimes it's even like week by week. Yeah, like yeah. a different hat for a different situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's not always just going to be like, oh, and with this one, I have to do this. It's it could just be what yeah. is happening. That well, time. I was going to say as they grow and change, but that's development, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, so uh, thinking through the difference between developmental and integrated can be a little bit tricky sometimes. Right. Yeah, the last group of models that we're talking about because these are not specific models, but kind of umbrellas right. of different models of supervision are orientation-specific models of supervision. And so that means in this type of supervision, you would stick to one perspective, one theory, and not move between. Right. So I think that is really obvious when you're working with a specific clientele, like maybe you're working eating disorders or play therapy or EMDR, like things that are very like, you need supervision in that category because of if whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But I think you could also apply it to like cognitive behavioral. I had a supervisee that was seeing me for a while and took a new position and was working at an agency where they were only working with ADHD clients, only working with cognitive behavioral. And that's not my, I mean, yes, I know about that. Mm -hmm. That's definitely not my specialty and not something that I necessarily want to do all the time. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying, I was thinking the other way around, but you're saying if the supervisee wants to really dive into right. one specific thing mm -hmm. and you're saying, I know a little bit, but I do not feel like right. the topic expert, right. then that might not be a good fit. But right. if you are the topic expert right. and that's, that's what great. they're looking for, then it is a good fit. I was thinking from the supervisor's perspective, what if you are the topic right. expert and they want you to dabble in something that you don't really do? Right. Then that also might not be a right. fit. Like, would you go to Carl Rogers and ask him to give you Adlerian supervision? No. That wouldn't work. Right. Well, and what a waste. Right. I mean, you got to go to Carl Rogers and ask for person-centered supervision right. if that's what you're going to do. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Right. I think if we're talking about one specific theory or model and that the supervisee and supervisor are kind of aligned and that's mm -hmm. what they're wanting out right. of that relationship. Right then what results is a good amount of teaching and modeling. Mm -hmm. Right. And that really would be the role. It would look very different than mm -hmm. using a developmental model or an integrated model where you would switch to what you needed along the mm -hmm. way. Do you think 
I can see my, I don't know that I would ever be completely orientation specific, but could you imagine yourself, what if you do have your CBT Mm -hmm. supervisee who wants to focus on CBT and you say, okay, let's do that. This week, we're both going to be totally CBT throughout our supervision. I'm going to give you an example. You're You're going to be an example and we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And do you think you could, or could you envision yourself having times or moments where you're orientation specific? I mean, baby movements. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know that I would want to do that in a week, like mm-hmm. every, all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I can see different situations bringing a reason to do that, but yeah. like it would not be, I, I couldn't, Well, I wouldn't like it. Like, yeah, that. <laughs> I, um, I, I mean, I've done EMDR consultation and that is true right. that I, so I've had EMDR consultants mm-hmm. say, you know, through our, we're conceptualizing, we're talking about a client and we're talking EMDR and we maybe start to stray. And the, I've had the consultant say back to me, well, that's a good question. Or yes, that's important, but that's not really EMDR. EMDR right. That's a so let's go yeah. so put a pin in that. Think about mm-hmm. that later. But let's get back to the EMDR. EMDR. Right. So providing just play therapy supervision, I think that that would right. be true. Right. That if they brought to me, okay, I know we always talk about my play clients, but I have an adult client that's doing mm-hmm. this and I don't ever use play with them, then... I wouldn't say, no, we can't talk about that. Don't right. talk about that in this right. room. But I probably would say, well, I think you, that is a good question. I think you should seek some consultation or supervision right. about that. But it's not play. Right. It's not what I'm here to help you with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that ways, I think, oh, definitely. If I'm doing eating disorder supervision, right. I think that, you That's know, very they, they bring some other topic to mm-hmm. me and say, I'm having trouble with this. And I go, well, that's good. But I mean, if we're going to do this now and focus on your eating disorder clients. Let's talk about that later. Right. I do. I maybe tell me if you think this is orientation specific supervision. Okay. With my supervisees who are just working towards licensure, mm-hmm. they might say, I've been thinking about it. I'm kind of leaning towards Adlerian. Okay. And then I'll go, okay, well, let's do that. Let's mm-hmm. conceptualize and think through your client that you're talking about using Adlerian. Just Adlerian. Yeah. Right. With with that kind of language, mm-hmm. with those kinds of skills. Right. So let's consent. And I might do that for that client or that right. supervision session. Mm-hmm. But just me being the supervisor that I am, I don't I couldn't probably stick no. with that all the time. No. And I think also it probably would if that's not I use a lot of Adlerian things. I use mm-hmm. a lot of thought processes that way. However, I value having other yeah. pieces to it. You know, I think that's kind of a nice conclusion to what we're talking about today. You and I both just said that similar to identifying your guiding theory, the way that you provide supervision has to do with how you feel about how supervision happens and how people learn. And Mm -hmm. so you don't choose developmental integrated or orientation specific based on any old thing. Part of it's based on you Mm -hmm. and how you provide supervision and what makes sense for you and how you feel like supervision is most productive. Right. Okay. I enjoyed this, thinking through some different models of supervision. So Heather and I are curious about how you are incorporating models of supervision into your supervision. Thanks. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.